Blog Talk Radio. For the next two hours, we will be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pecan. That's blog. TalkRadio.com slash pecan, and you can send messages to the show on Twitter at Go For It Can. And while you're there on Twitter at Go For It Can, give me a follow at Go For It Can. G O F O R I T G A N T. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by Dallas Mavericks center Bernard James. And Bernard had an interesting few weeks. Uh, Situation there where he was waived by the Mavericks and ultimately brought back by the Mavericks. But we're going to talk to Bernard about that world win a few weeks. Also, we're going to be joined by pop star Melissa B. Melissa B has a hot single out right now, Addicted. Very hot single. I really like it. I'm addicted at this point. So we're going to talk to her about that. And also, former NFL running back Veron Hayes will be joining us. We're going to talk to Veron about some of the happenings in Philadelphia with the whole situation with Riley Cooper. I mean, what a mess that is. An absolute mess that is. Well, we're going to get Veron's take on also, get his take on the new Pro Bowl format. And, you know, obviously they're going to try to do some things differently. They've been trying to do some things differently for a while, uh, trying to make it more exciting. I'm under the belief that you can't ever make the Pro Bowl exciting. It is what it is. But we'll get to that in a moment. But I want to start with the whole situation with Riley Cooper and and that just awful video that came out the other week, uh, this week I should say, he came out and said, you know what? And and just the way he the way he said everything, the venom that he had when he said these things was was just it was it was shocking, and it seemed like to me in hearing that that this guy has used the N-word before and is quite comfortable using the N-word, quite frankly. It's just the way it sounded to me. He, he seemed just a little too comfortable for my liking. I mean, he said it. He said it, and apparently he was yelling at a black security guard at a Kenny Chesney concert. Probably not going to be a lot of blacks at a Kenny Chesney concert. That's just it's what it is. But anyway, he's yelling at the security guard, and he said, I'll fight every N-word in here. Every N-word in here. Now people come out and say, okay, you know, maybe he heard it in music. Maybe he heard his teammates say it. Nah, nah. And he did it with the ER and not the A, but, you know, that's a whole other discussion. And we're going to get into that discussion, of course, as we go on through the show. We're going to get into that discussion. We're going to talk about that. We're definitely going to talk about that. 
We're going to talk about that, the difference between an A and an ER. I don't think there is a difference, quite frankly, but some people do. But anyway, he didn't say that. He didn't say A. If you say, with an A, that means, okay, you're saying it as a term of endearment, as you're my friend, you're my boy, so on and so forth. You say it with the ER, that means you're saying it with venom. That means you're saying it uh, in, the, in a negative way. As far as I'm concerned, no difference there. But we'll get into that later. But anyway, he didn't say A. He used DR. And he said it with venom. He said it with anger. And as Jason Kelsey pointed out, they had some some things to drink. They were they were drunk at the time. And so as far as I'm concerned, he was drunk. And a drunk mind tells you all you need to know about that particular person. If a person is telling you something while they're drunk, believe it. Because everything is, you know, they're, they're being real at that point. All their inhibitions are, are gone and taken away. They're being real. They're giving you their honest opinion. They're giving you their honest assessment of how they feel. They're telling you. They're keeping it real. And they're letting you know how exactly they feel. And as far as I'm concerned, when I see, when I see and hear Riley Cooper, I see a guy and hear a guy who is very comfortable using the N-word. And I'm not saying he's a racist because I don't think that's necessarily fair. It's not fair to say he's a racist. Mike Pouncey, one of his former teammates, teammates in Flor- at Florida, said believes he doesn't believe, believes he's not a racist. And everybody who's come out said they can't believe that the, this came from Riley Cooper. But at the end of the day, he said it. He said it. And maybe he was drunk. But guess what? The true self comes out. True thoughts come out when you're drunk. So if he's drunk, no excuse, no excuse whatsoever. Actually, it makes it worse as far as I'm concerned, because now his true thoughts are coming out. And this day and age of cell phone cameras and, and all the different and various technology that people have at their disposal to tape you and to record you, you've got to be careful where, what you're doing, where you're doing it at, and what you're saying. I mean, it could come back to bite you in the butt. I mean, you have GMs coming out and saying, you know what, and, and not necessarily just, but people are coming out. You have reporters, and a lot of people are believing that possibly this could be the last time you'll see Riley Cooper on an NFL football field. I would think I think that would be very unfortunate. That would be very unfortunate, in my opinion, if Riley Cooper was not picked up by any team moving forward. I don't think the Eagles should release him. I really don't. Um, it was a mistake. At least that's what he tells us. And I have to accept that at this point. I have to accept it. Maybe he's a racist. Maybe he's not. But I have to accept it. And I think he's deserving of a second chance. Now, should he get a second chance? If you're the Eagles, do you give him a second chance? Well, at this point, they sent him off to sensitivity training. Well, I don't know how much that's going to help during this short time span, time period, how much Sensitivity training is going to help him. It sounds good, but I think this is a situation where essentially the block is hot right now. The block is hot, so we got to get this guy away, cool this down some. Maybe people will stop talking about it a little bit. Let's wait a week or two, get it out of people's minds, and then bring him back. I don't think they should cut him. I don't. I really don't think they should cut him at this point. And without Jeremy Macklin 
you wonder if they will cut him. But I, I don't think they. I don't think they should. I don't think they should cut him. But I will say this: if he becomes, if it becomes a, a, a thing that separates teammates and divides the team, then maybe you have to think about it because, quite frankly, he's just not good enough to have you to have him be around and to have him be a distraction to your football team. It's just not. That's just the reality of the situation when it comes to Riley Cooper. But the way he said it and the way he said it in that video, it, it just seemed very comfortable as far as I'm concerned. It just seemed very comfortable, a little too comfortable, a little too comfortable for my liking, just a little too comfortable for my liking. And so when, when, I, when I see that, when I, when, I, when I hear that, I'm taken aback. I, I am. I'm taken aback. I'm not. I, I just can't. When I when I hear that, I, I see and hear. I think a racist. But again, but again, it's not fair for us to call him a racist. Again, I don't know him as well as Mike Pouncey, his former Florida teammate. I don't know him as well as those guys know him. So if those guys tell me no, he's not a racist. He, he he's a good dude. He's not a racist. Then I have to say, you know what? You're right. I have to accept that at this point, but it didn't look good. It does not look good, but he's going away for sensitivity training, and, and I believe that's a byproduct because the block is hot right now, and Riley Cooper needs a break. He needs to get away from it all, quite frankly, so he won't be a distraction to everybody. I mean, LaShawn McCoy came out and said, you know what, you know, me and Riley Cooper, I, I forgive him and all, but we can't be friends no more outside of football. And I'm paraphrasing what he said, but outside of football, nah, we, we, it's not going down like that. We're not friends. We're, we're not hanging out. We're, we're done in terms of that. And can you blame him? I mean, I don't think you really can blame him in that particular situation. Granted, granted, he says he forgives him. LaShawn McCoy is like, I forgive you, but we can't, we can't move forward with this in terms of relationship. And I got to respect that. I definitely have to respect that. He can't move forward in terms of of a relationship. He won't move forward in terms of a relationship with Riley Cooper. Very interesting, that whole situation. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! And we're back. And we're about to get it now with, with, a, with a young lady who has a, a nice song out. I mean, I was listening to it the other day. I went to her website, melissablive.com, and uh, MelissaB.com, excuse me. I went to her website and and I heard the song Addicted, and I'm loving it. I, I really am, and I think you'll love it too when you hear that hot song. Let's bring her in now, pop star Melissa B. Melissa, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good morning. Doing well, doing well. Good morning to you too. Thanks for joining us. 
Yeah, no problem. Now, Melissa, I talked about you got a great single out right now, Addicted. I listened to yes. it. I'm addicted. I like it. Tell <laughs> us about it. Oh, yeah. Addicted is a great song. Addicted was actually produced by my producer, um, B. Howard. Um, it's a song about, you know, just love, how it makes you feel, how it makes you feel about when you're addicted to someone. Are you addicted to someone at this point in your life? No, I'm not. Oh, I'm addicted to my music. <laughs> that's a good thing. That's a good yes. thing. Yes, yes. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I mean, music that, that, is my music is my boyfriend right now. That's a beautiful thing. It'll yeah. always love you back. Yeah. Now, you call your type of music electric pop. Give us yeah. an idea of what electric pop is all about. Electric pop is an infusion of, um, you know, old and new together, um, taking you know, songs that not even songs, but just the sound of what we, we what you've heard before, like kind of like heard before, but then mixing it with what we have now and just making it more electronic. Um, and uh, also, as you know, I'm a network engineer by day. Right. So um, I entwine that with me being that artist who's entwining uh, technology with my music. Right, right. So you're essentially the best of both worlds. You can sing. You have the technology gall down. I mean, do you see this as a trend moving forward? Yes, I do. But more so for me, it's, um, you know, I, I'm an advocate for um, to basically get younger girls excited about computer science again because what okay. I saw was that there wasn't, you know, for myself coming out of college and everything, I really didn't have a mentor who, you know, who was able to tell me how to do certain things in the industry. So I had to learn on my own. And from that point, I, w I vowed that somehow um, with um, two other girlfriends of mine that we'd try to, you know, help, you know, other women, young women coming out of college to get them um, more excited about computer science right. again and younger girls. And that's what we're doing now. And as you said, geek is sexy. Yes, it is. <laughs> I don't like when people try to dump down their smarts. It's a beautiful thing that you're smart. It is. It is. It's definitely yeah. a beautiful thing. Yeah. And what better way to show that you're beauty, brains, and that you can, you know, you have talent. And, you know, I like I like showing that. That's a, I think that's a beautiful thing, especially for younger girls, because nowadays younger girls have uh, different role models that they actually look up to. And, you know, I would love to be a role model for them to actually say, hey, I can be smart and I can be cute at the same time. Right, exactly. It's the best of both worlds, and you have that right now. Now, your song Addicted is going to be a part of your EP, Electric Love. You're working with some big-time producers, Dr. Freeze, B. Howard. Give, us a, yeah. give the fans a glimpse of what we can expect with that album. Um, what you can expect from that album is something that's going to be electrifying in terms of um, different sounds and, you know, different parts of uh, uh, emotions that I'm bringing it in all together. And, you know, I really, really, I really, really think that when everybody hears this, they're going to be super, super, super excited because I'm bringing back some of that feel that, you know, a lot of 
singers weren't bringing back before. Okay, definitely. I mean, it it definitely is different. I mean, here in the yeah. kitchen, it is different. It's definitely different. The sound is definitely different. And it's hot. It's a hot sound. Thank you so much. Yeah, I've gotten great um, feedback on it. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a good song. Now, if I'm listening to a Melissa V album, where would I be listening to that particular album? At a club? At home? Where? Pardon? I'm sorry? If I was to listen to a Melissa B. album, where would I be listening to this music? Would I be listening to it at a club, at home, with with my girl? Where would I be listening to your sound, your music? Oh, you, you, you're going to be listening to it in the club. You're going to be listening to it at home. And you're going to be listening to it with your girl. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you're going to be listening to all different places. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you on different emotions. It's going to make you laugh, cry. You know, want to dance, feel good about yourself, and be inspired. And that's a great thing. That is truly a great thing. We're talking to pop star Melissa B. Now, why did you title your album Electric Love? Give us an understanding, an idea why you did that. I love that you asked that question. Yes. Um, The reason why I called it Electric Love is because throughout this whole project, everybody that I've been in connected with has been through the internet. Okay. I have from from meeting my producers to um meeting my fans, it has all been through the internet. And we are all connected together through electric love. Wow. That's electric. That is electric. <laughs> you that's truly electric. You're connecting with everybody through the internet. I mean and that's just the nature of our society at this point. The nature of technology. I mean, the opportunity to connect with fans, producers, and everybody with Twitter, Facebook, and all these different social medias out there, I mean, it's truly a a great thing. Yes, I absolutely agree with you because I'm telling you, the the way that I connected with different producers, I even have a producer, and give you an example, I have a producer in Canada, who if if we didn't have the Internet, it would have been hard for me to have met him like that. (laughs) <laughs> um, but it's so easy because I'm able to interact with people. I've also taken it, you know, to where, um, you know, where people find me on Twitter and, and I connect with them on that and it, and I conversate with them through that. So having the Internet has been a tremendous, tremendous uh, uh, great thing uh, for people like, you know, our independent artists like myself who are right. actually trying to get in the grind and make it and get to producers, you know, such as B. Howard or Dr. Freeze, you know, who's worked with Michael Jackson and stuff like that. Right. I would never in a million years think that I would have been able to work with him, but I was, and it's been exactly. super great. Now, you've been grinding for a while in this music industry as an independent artist. It ain't yeah. easy out there. Talk about yeah. the grind. You have to... The grind is it's real, you know. For me, I I I've been singing since I was I started when I was five, and um, that's my dream. That has always been my dream. My my parents always instilled in me that you know even though you had that particular dream, that you have to still have to fall have something to fall back on, and that's what I had. And that was technology with computers. I I knew I had another talent, so I just went to school for it and I learned and had another trade. 
so from that point on, I still was able to keep doing what I had to do. Don't let anybody tell you that you can't do it because you can. You absolutely can. Do never, never tell anybody, never, not anybody, do not let anybody tell you you can't do something because you can. Once you set your mind to it, you can do it. You're a testament to that. You're definitely a a testament to that. Now, you're the niece of singer, songwriter, and actress Dawn Lewis. Just like Dawn, you have versatility. Dawn has versatility. You have versatility. It must run in the genes somewhere. But what's the best advice Dawn has given you? My aunt told me just keep doing what you have to do. And don't let don't let anybody tell you no. Right. If you believe in yourself, you can you can move mountains. <laughs> and, and you're right. You're trying to move those mountains, and and you're doing it right now with Addicted. I mean, a very very hot song. And 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 I read that you did American Idol as well. And talk about that. How much has that helped you grow as a as a singer? It helped. Well, honestly, it helped me grow as a singer, where I was able to look at myself and say, "Do I want to go and keep trying to knock on the doors of labels and um, you know try to get a deal, a record deal that way, or do I want to do it myself and give it out to the right. masses on my own?" So that's what I I started looking at, and that's what I in turn did because I saw that if I take it. My under my own hands, I could make things happen a lot faster because right. I'm giving the I'm giving the the public more of what they're asking for, not of what the industry thinks that they want the what the what the public wants. Right. You notice that when you're on the internet, the lot of a lot of uh, fans they find their singers and their bands and stuff on the internet. Like there's one band that was on the internet, and I remember hearing this story about a band that sold out Madison Square Garden and nobody knew who they were, but they were a band from England. I forgot the name. I'm so sorry. But they were a band from England, and they sold out Madison Square Garden, and they did a story about them. And how did they get do that? Because they had fans all over the world, and it was through the Internet. Wow. And and as we said throughout the course of this interview, that is the power of the Internet. And I mean, you know it better than all of us. Um, you know what? I'm gonna tell you something. Just like um, I don't know if you know, I got chosen for the Google Glass Explorer program. Right. And like for that, you know, if you see how technology is actually changing, it, everything is starting to really interact. Like the Google Glass is really, I, I I actually wore them and performed with them on, and actually was able to give my fans a feeling of what it's like to be on stage as me. Like you're actually looking out on stage and then I had someone wear the glasses so people could see me singing but the thing is it's like that's interaction that's technology that's where it's going people want to feel they want to get to know you they want to they want to get in it and what better way than to take technology on a different level on a deeper level and and do that we're talking to pop star Melissa B. Now, Melissa, as you say, geek is sexy. You're doing some work with Girl Geek Dinners. Tell us about yes. that. Girl Geek Dinners is um, is a nonprofit organization 
that we started here in New York City. It originally started in London with uh, the founder, Sarah Blow. And um, we started it here in New York because nobody else was doing it here in New York. This is about women who are technology savvy, who are like-minded and want to help each other give advice or help in the business or even just host it. Um, we do lots of different dinners. The last dinner we had was at Microsoft, and it was about startups. And we had someone who was a lawyer, someone who was a marketer, someone who actually worked in a startup company to give advice to women who actually are thinking of doing their own startup technology companies. They had, right. There were some women who were like, I have no idea how to do this. How do I start it up? Well, here you go. And Microsoft was willing to support that and sponsor that for us. And Google has That's done the it. same thing. We've done it before too. So um, it, it's it's a it's a great thing. And what I'm trying to do is now is actually take Girl Geek dinners and make them chapters in colleges for the young okay. girls who are in colleges. That's good. That's good. You're, you're really doing some big time things right now. All in all, where do you see Melissa B in five years? I see myself setting trends with technology as an artist who has who's really entwining herself with um, how computer science is actually taking a, a taking a turn with music and technology with artists. I see myself setting trends for younger people. Now, you said you're a network engineer and you do yeah. the singing thing. When does yeah. Melissa B. find time to sleep? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> my manager, my manager, he he always tells me I've been cloned. He tells everybody Melissa's been cloned. I've not been cloned. Let me tell you, I just have so much energy. I just, I want, I really truly believe in my project, and I really, I'm trying to get this out there for everybody. And I'm going to give now, when, you the best that I have. Definitely. And I can tell by talking to you that you are going to give us the best that you have. When is the album going to drop? I know the single is out, but when's the complete album going to drop? Um, the album is going to drop soon. I don't have an, an ETA on that, but when I do, I will okay. definitely let you know. Definitely, definitely. let you know. Sounds, sounds good. The, the hit single is Addicted. Check it out. Go to her website. Tell us the website. Tell us your Twitter handle where people can connect with you and, and hear this great music. Yes. Um, you can go to my website, melissab.com. You can find me on Twitter at Melissa B. Live. And if you want to see my YouTube videos, you can go to just type in melissabelive.com and it goes straight to my YouTube. And that's melissab.com to my website. Melissa, it was a pleasure talking to you. We wish you pleasure nothing but the best too. of luck moving up. A lot of fun. Yeah, Take thank care. You for having me. Okay, thank you oh. so much. Good luck. Okay, bye-bye. Melissa B., singer, songwriter, woman with a lot of talent, a lot of ability. I mean, you could just hear and talking to her that she's, 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 got a, she's driven, and, and that's what you need to be successful in anything, and especially in the music industry. But she truly is driven, and she's doing a great job. I mean, if you heard the song Addicted, I mean, make sure you go to her Twitter page and, and, and hear that song. 
go to her website, hear that song. I mean, it's good. It's good. I mean, I was impressed. But what I heard, it's a, it's a very catchy tune, Addicted. And I think you'll be addicted once you hear that hot song. I want to go back now, um, going back now to the Riley Cooper situation. And the question becomes whether or not he will play again in the National Football League. There are some people out there who believe that this guy will not play another down in the National Football League. There's people out there who actually truly believe that. And, you know, you had a GM, an unnamed GM, who came out and said that he doesn't believe Riley Cooper will play again in the National Football League. Doesn't believe it. Doesn't see it happening. Doesn't see Riley Cooper playing again in the National Football League. To me, and hearing that, and I'm saying to myself, wow. I mean, his comments are unfortunate. Anytime you use the N-word, it's unfortunate, as far as I'm concerned, whether it's A, E-R, or what have you. Anytime you use that word, it's unfortunate. And, you know, Riley Cooper, he's an NFL player, and so he, he's held to a different standard. Fair or unfair, that's the reality of his situation. He is held to a different standard. And so being that he is held to a different standard, he, is, he has to be smart. He's got to be smart in, in what he says. And, and whether he's a racist or not a racist, which, you know, it, I hope he's not. But, I mean, the way he said it, it's hard to say otherwise. But at the same time, it's unfair to say he is a racist because we don't know. We don't know. So we have to give this man uh, an opportunity in a lot of ways to prove himself. We have to give him an opportunity to prove himself. And after this sensitivity training, maybe he proves himself. Maybe he works on some things. Maybe he becomes a better person. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But we have to give him that opportunity. We have to. He's entitled to that as far as I'm concerned. He's entitled to second chances. America is a land of second chances. He should be given that opportunity to have that second chance. He really should. Now, he's not a guy, you're not, you, you look at Riley Cooper, and, and yes, you, you see some potential there. But at the same time, at this stage of his career, he is an, an average to below average wide receiver. He's an average wide receiver at this point. He's shown some flashes, but at this point, he is an average wide receiver. He is what he is at this point, an average wideout. He's an average wideout. Now, when you're average, when you're an average player, when you're an average wide receiver, you're, you can't have any missteps like this. You have to be careful. You have to be careful. When you're average, you have to be careful. You have to. You have to be careful. You just can't, you just can't go out and do what he did. You got to be careful because they're not going to stand for bad behavior in the NFL. They're not. They're not going to stand for bad behavior. And the thing about it is some people wonder if Jeremy Macklin was healthy, would, would Riley Cooper be gone at this point? If Macklin was healthy, would Riley Cooper be gone at this point? And, you know, people 
are wondering that. I'm wondering that. I'm wondering that. And I look at it, and I think, you know, he should get another chance, and I think he will get another chance. I don't think this is the last we've seen of Riley Cooper. I don't. I don't think this is the last we've seen of Riley Cooper. I could be wrong. I could be wrong, and I've been wrong many, many times and will continue to be wrong in life. But I, I, I just think, you know, we, we have to give him a second chance, and I think he deserves a second chance. What he said was wrong. What he said was not right. What he said was rude, crude, and all the things that you can say. It's one of the worst things you can say to a person, to somebody. It's the worst, one of the worst things you can say to someone. What he said is the one of the worst things you can say to someone. And so I, I, but at the same time, he is deserving of a second chance. If this is the way his career ends, I think that would be very, very sad. I think it would be very sad, and, and quite frankly, I think it would be unfair. I think it would be unfair. I really do. But I do believe that he deserves a second chance, and I do believe he will play again in the National Football League, and I do believe it's going to be with the Philadelphia Eagles. Heck, let's let's, let's be honest. As a, as a black man, let's be honest about something. If I'm a teammate of Riley Cooper, and I believe that Riley Cooper can catch 60, 70 balls, has five, six, seven, eight touchdowns, and be a very successful wide receiver in the National Football League. Guess what? I can deal with those. I can deal with him being a racist. If that's what he's going to be, that's who he is. It is what it is. But if he produces and he's professional about everything, I don't have to be his best friend. We don't have to go drinking together. We don't have to go to the club together. We don't have to go hanging out. As long as he's successful on the football field, as long. As he is making plays on the football field, I'm good. Me and Riley Cooper are good. We're good. And that's the way I feel about it. If he's producing on the football field, we're good, no matter how he feels. No matter how he feels about me. As long as he's professional, as long as he's balling out, as long as he's doing his job, I'm good. But you look at football, football is the ultimate team game. You know, Riley Cooper has to block for LaShawn McCoy. Cooper, the white guy, has to block for the black guy, LaShawn McCoy. Now, I'm not I'm not saying Cooper would ever do this, but let's think about it. I mean, if, if, if you saw the venom that he had, you saw the venom. Drunk, sober, or whatnot, you saw the venom. So... I saw the venom. You saw the venom. We saw the venom. And I look at that, and I say, and seeing all that, I say to myself that, you know what? This guy, this guy may not like me, may not like black people. Just the way he said it, his reaction, his anger, he may not like black people. Can I trust this guy to block for me? Can I trust this guy to, to, to go all out for me? Can I trust him to do that? And I don't think that'll be a problem, but I think it's something to think about. 
I, I do think it's something to think about. But at the same time, as I said before, and, I, and I'll continue to belabor this point, I don't think he should have got suspended. I'm cool with the fine. I'm cool with the fine. I don't think he should have got suspended. Some people believe he should have got suspended. People out there, Mayor Nutter, the mayor of Philadelphia, says the, 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 everybody should have done more. They should have done more. The, the punishment should have been harsh, more harsh than it was. I disagree. I, I, I think at this point, I think at this point, enough is enough. You, you, you find him a boatload of money. You know, you have the public really aghast by what he said. The public is not for Riley Cooper at this point. You have everybody coming down on it, his teammates, players around the league. You know, you, I, I was reading Hugh Douglas, former Eagle, his tweet, and he basically said, now I know who you are. Paraphrasing now. But I, I know who you are. I know what you're about. Thank you. You know, he, he's basically saying, you know what? You put it out there. Now I know. Now I know what type of person you are. Now I know what type of guy you are. I know that now. I know that now. So, you know, he basically showed his cards at this point. He, he basically showed his hand. He showed his hand. Ryder Cooper showed his hand when, when, you know, when he basically said what he said in that particular video. He showed his hand. And it's just, it's, you got to be smarter. And Hugh Douglas' tweet was quite, quite simply, shout out to Riley Cooper for keeping it 100, keeping it real. At least now we know. At least now we know that's what Hugh Douglas feels. Hugh Douglas obviously feels by that tweet that he's a racist. He knows now. He put it out there for the public to take, to take in. We see Riley Cooper, and, and there's people who's going to see him as a racist. I don't want to call him a racist at this point, but I'm close. But I don't know him again. I, I don't know him like others know him. I don't. I don't. But it was... It's just, it just was too, it just looked too real in terms of him being a racist. It just looked like, it just looked like he was a racist and when he when he went off there. It just really did. It, it I, I can't say it any other way. It just looked like he is a racist. It does. It does. And a, and a couple players who will be playing Riley Cooper if he stays with the Eagles two times this year. Um, but, you know, a couple players who will be playing him, Barry Church and Will Allen of the Dallas Cowboys, talked about Riley Cooper, and they were asked, will they put a target on Cooper? Barry Church said, there are going to be players in the league that definitely are going to put a target on him. For me individually, if he apologized, I have no wrongdoing for him or harsh feelings for him. But there's definitely going to be a target on him from other players in the league. I can tell you that much. Those were the words of Barry Church, safety for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I, I look at that, and, and he's right on. And maybe he's one of them who's going to put a bullseye 
on Barry on uh, Riley Cooper's uh, back. Maybe he's one of them, Barry Church. Maybe he's a, a guy who's going to to go after Riley Cooper. But the reality is, that, you know, no one's going to come out and necessarily say it all like that. But the thing about it is, people are going to come after Riley Cooper. It's just the nature of the game. It's just the nature of the situation. You don't say what Riley Cooper said and and, and not have anyone want to go after him. I I don't see it. They're going to come. And I hope Riley Cooper is prepared for what may happen. But now he's getting sensitivity training. Maybe he'll come back and he'll be okay and he'll learn his lesson. We shall see. I want to switch gears now. Alex Rodriguez, he played last night. In Trenton, Yankees AAA affiliate, and Alex Rodriguez, you know, he hopes to return on Monday to New York to play. But many believe, some believe that last night was the last time you'll ever see Alex Rodriguez on a on, on a baseball diamond, on a baseball field, in a baseball stadium, in any type of uniform. Some people believe. Last night was the last time you'll see A-Rod. The last time you'll see A-Rod. And wouldn't it be sad to see A-Rod go out the way he may go out, and some argue the way he should go out. I mean, quite frankly, A-Rod, as I said before, is a fraud. A fraud is what he is. I mean, let, let's, let's, let's be honest about some things. This guy, according to him, juiced for three years in Texas, and now he's connected to this uh, biogenesis lab in Miami. So this guy essentially, you look at his career, he's been juicing. You can sense he's been juicing pretty much uh, most of his career or a, a good portion of his career. I mean, a guy, 19 years in baseball, 38 years old, just turned 38 a couple days ago, July 27th. 38 years old. Now, baseball, they're trying to come together with Alex Rodriguez and his team, and, and they want some type of settlement, trying to settle on this, a la Ryan Braun, who took the settlement and was suspended for the rest of the year. The thing about this settlement now is A-Rod wants his money, according to some sources. A-Rod wants money. He wants his money. So at this point, that is one of the things that is kind of keeping the settlement from happening. A-Rod wants his money. And MLB is expected to, to suspend some guys in the next few days. Expected to, to suspend about eight players. And those guys are probably going to accept. They're probably going to accept. But A-Rod, you know, they're looking. Baseball's looking. You know, some say for a lifetime ban on this guy, a lifetime ban. But you know, as they're going through the negotiations, they're probably trying to settle somewhere in between, maybe a year, maybe a hundred games, maybe something along those lines. But they're trying to keep Alex Rodriguez, I believe, from ever stepping on a baseball field, at least for a long period of time. He's 38 years old. I think even if he's suspended. You know, for for one, two years, he's going to try to come back. Now, if he's given a lifetime ban, 
Obviously, he'll still have an opportunity to appeal at some point. But the reality is we could have seen the last of Alex Rodriguez. I don't believe that because I believe Alex Rodriguez, baseball is a big part of who he is and what he is, and he's going to do whatever he has to do. I mean, he has the money. He has the money to get the best attorneys and the best people on his side to fight this situation. The baseball union, we all know how tough that union is. They don't lose a lot. And so he has that union backing him. So his his representatives are saying, you know what, they'll fight anything. They'll fight any type of suspension. They'll fight any type of suspension. So this is going to be interesting to see how this thing plays out. This is that big fish, big fish in a small pond. This is the guy that I think in terms of you knew once Ryan Braun went down that A-Rod was next. You knew A-Rod was next. A-Rod wants his money. He wants an opportunity to get his money, his remaining $100 million on his contract, owed on his contract. He wants that money. And you wonder, yeah, why did the Yankees give him all that money? Why did the Yankees give him all that money? And quite frankly, we all know why the Yankees gave Alex Rodriguez a boatload of money. A, he's good, but B, he was supposed to be the clean home run champion, the clean home run uh, guy. He was supposed to be the guy who was going to break Barry Bonds' record and do it clean, break Harry Aaron's home run record and do it clean. He was supposed to be that guy. He was supposed to be that guy. He was supposed to open the new Yankee Stadium. Ten years, $275 million for Alex Rodriguez. Back in 2007. And he was supposed to be the guy at that point who was going to basically usher in you know, the new Yankee Stadium and also be the guy who was going to break the home run record, lifetime home runs. He was supposed to break that record, and he was supposed to do it at Yankee Stadium. In all the, the pomp and circumstance of Yankee Stadium in New York City, he was supposed to do it. Alex Rodriguez was supposed to do it in New York. He was supposed to do it. But we found out, unfortunately, that A-Rod is no different. Bond, Sosa, McGuire. No different than any of those guys. No different at all. He's just like those guys. He's a cheat. He is a cheat. And I, I just, it's a sad story. You think about the whole situation with A-Rod and you say to yourself, is anything sacred? There's just nothing to believe in anymore. There's nothing to believe in anymore. And, you know, obviously, uh, you know, I'm maybe going a little bit overboard because he is, after all, he's just a man. He is a human. And guess what? He, you know, we, we put him on pedestals, but only difference between A-Rod and, and most people is he can hit a baseball. And, hey, it's a big difference because that big difference has earned him a boatload of money, $252 million contract with the Rangers, $275 million contract with the Yankees. So it's earned him a boatload of money. It's earned him a boatload of money. I just look at A-Rod, though, and then it's just, you know, it, you just see a guy who, in a lot of ways, it's just it's, he's a fraud. And I, and I don't think we can say anything different. 
He is, quite frankly, a fraud. He's fraudulent. He's a fraudulent individual. He is a guy who we thought was going to be the clean home run king. He was going to be the clean home run king. You just remember that. I, I, I so remember that. I so remember that. And the thing is, when you, when you saw that, and when you saw, you know what, back then, this guy, clean home run champ, this guy was supposed to do it and has done it the right way. Well, we all know that is not the case. We all know he is no different than anyone else. We all know that Alex Rodriguez is a cheat. He is a cheat. And so we have seen Alex Rodriguez now, a guy who was at the top of everything. He was at the top of everything. This was going, I mean, it was going to be a great little ceremony and you know, everybody was going to be so excited. I mean, it's New York City. I mean, if you want to break a record, break a record in New York City where everybody's watching, where everybody's talking about it. You know, it's a great opportunity there in New York City to break the record. Great opportunity in New York City to break the record. I mean, the amount of endorsement deals that could have came his way. Just the amount of things that could have happened for Alex Rodriguez. A lot of things that could have happened for Alex Rodriguez. A lot of things. A lot of great things that could have happened for Alex Rodriguez. And the thing about it is, it's not happening. It won't happen. Now, instead of being a hero, he has turned into a villain. Now, instead of being celebrated, he's being chastised and everybody's yelling and and, and it just has a lot of uh, venom towards Alex Rodriguez, because Alex Rodriguez was supposed to be the clean guy. Alex Rodriguez was supposed to be the one who broke the record, but broke the record in a way that we can celebrate, broke the record in a way that we can enjoy and that we can, he was supposed to be the clean one. He was supposed to be the clean home run king. Alex Rodriguez. A-Rod, but A-Rod has turned into a fraud. He's a fraud. And that's the reality of the situation. He is a fraud in every sense of the word. He's a fraud. And what he did and what he's done and what he's doing is fraudulent. He's a steroid cheat. He's a PED user. He's a cheat. He is what he is. But again, I think it goes back to a larger point, a larger issue. When will we stop putting our athletes on pedestals? When will we stop? I talk about this all the time, but when will we stop thinking that these guys are not human? Because that's what they are, they're human. Flesh, blood, a man. They're human, born to make mistakes. It is what it is. That's what they are, that's what he is, and that's the reality of his situation. The Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl. 
They're making some changes now with the Pro Bowl. I mean, uh, before I go through the changes, it doesn't really matter. Uh, Is it going to make a difference? Is anybody truly going to care? Is it going to make the game watchable? No, not at all. And in the National Football League, the contracts are not guaranteed. Bottom line, point blank, you don't have guaranteed contracts. So not having guaranteed contracts, guess what? You're not going to go into an exhibition game and play your heart out and play, and with the opportunity and the possibility that you could get injured. And once you get injured, a team could say, thank you for your service. This contract, this four- or five-year, $60 million contract that you, found, you signed has now become null and void. See you. Good luck to you. I mean, that, that, I mean, that's just the reality of NFL life. That's just the reality of the situation. So... There could be a possibility now. Let's just say you go uh, you go ball to the walls to the wall uh, on a, playing uh, in the Pro Bowl. Let's just say you play your hardest. You go out. You you play like a regular season football game. Even better, let's say you play like a playoff game, and you get hurt. You would be so dumb. You would be so silly. You would feel so angry, because guess what? A team could just rip that contract up and send you on your way. You remember. Many years ago, Robert Edwards for for the New England Patriots, where he's playing that uh, beach uh, football game, and he got hurt. Really got hurt. I mean, almost ended his career. I mean, he was able to make a comeback, but he was never really the same back that he was before the injury. But the thing is, you know, he's playing in that particular game, and he got himself hurt. You can't do that. You can't mess with your money. And that's essentially what these guys would be doing if they went out and, and played. The Pro Bowl, like it was a real football game. That's what ha- that's what what would happen to them. They would go out, and eventually they would get themselves hurt, and they would be in a situation where their contract could be null and void. They're not going to do that. I know the NFL wants to make the Pro Bowl exciting. I know Major League Baseball wanted to make the All Star Game exciting, but the reality is, you can't make that type of game exciting. It's an exhibition game. It is what it is, and why can't people accept it for what it is? You're celebrating. Uh, the, the achievement uh, of some of these players who were able to have a successful season and ultimately were able to be celebrated and make the Pro Bowl. It's an exhibition game. You, you can play an exhibition game in basketball. You can play an exhibition game in baseball, even in hockey as well. Football is very, very difficult, very difficult. You know, I mean, obviously in hockey, hockey is a very physical sport, and, and checking happens in the sport of hockey. I mean, that's a part of it as well. But, but, the thing about football, I mean, each and every play, you know, a lineman has to block another lineman. So there has to be contact. On each play, there has to be. has to be contact. And the thing about it is, you, either you're going to go all out, you can't, you can't pass it. And these guys in the Pro Bowl have it. And, and I don't blame them, because they got to protect their assets, they got to protect their moneymaker, and their moneymaker is their body. They need to protect it. But they want to make some changes to the Pro Bowl. Apparently, it's going to be almost like a draft, and players will be drafted. So it's not going to be the typical and the traditional NCAFC. Players will be able to, Peyton Manning theoretically will be able to throw to Calvin Johnson. So, I mean, Peyton Manning being with Denver, Calvin Johnson being with the Lions, both in different conferences, they will be able 
to play with one another. I mean, that, that part is, is, is kind of interesting, but I don't know how much interesting it could be, but they made some other changes. Two-minute warning in the first and third quarter. No kickoffs. That has guys like Devin Hester and Josh Cribbs a little upset. So that means the kickoff uh, returners won't be on the roster. But no kickoffs. Uh, the roster will consist of 43 players per squad. Again, kick return specialists will be replaced by an additional defensive back and a few other things that one that that they change. But again, it's 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 not going to make the game any better. It's not going to make the Pro Bowl any more enjoyable than it already is. And if you are like myself, it's not very enjoyable. I want to switch gears now. We have a guy about to come on in now who is preparing for the upcoming NBA season, Bernard James. Uh, you know, interesting few weeks for Bernard. And, um, you know, we're going to definitely talk to Bernard about it. But interesting few weeks for Bernard. You know, he was cut by the Mavericks. And then he was back with the Mavericks. And they had to cut him because they wanted to sign Monte Ellis. And in order to sign Monte Ellis, they had to waive Bernard James. But ultimately, he was able to come on back. His deal is now guaranteed. So there's a lot of great things that came out for him. And you look at yesterday in the NBA, Greg Oden signed with the Miami Heat. He's back in the league. I mean, this is the guy who played only 82 games since 2007, and this, he's back. And, then, I mean, I'm rooting for him. I hope the guy has a level of success. I hope the guy can stay healthy. I really do. And, I, and you look at it from the Miami Heat standpoint, it is a big man, a guy who can defend. That's what you want. I mean, Greg Oden definitely can defend. He can definitely block shots. So you're playing up against the Roy Hibberts of the world. You know, it gives you now a guy that can help you in that particular situation. He definitely can help you. Andrew Bynum in Cleveland, he helps you against those guys. He defends those guys very well. He can defend those guys. And I'm not saying he's going to defend them well, but he can slow them down at least. That's what they need. They need somebody. To, they need a guy that can slow somebody down. Well, they don't need Greg Oden scoring. They need a guy who can slow people down. And Greg Oden can do that. He can do that. That's one thing he can do is block shots. That's one thing we've seen in the 82 games that he's played in the National Basketball Association. Only 82 games, and, and that's, that's a sad thing. But this is this is a big opportunity for him and a good opportunity for him, and we'll see if he can make the most of it. We shall see. But we're going to bring him in now, Bernard James. Let's bring him in now, center for the Dallas Mavericks, Bernard James. Bernard, how are you, man? Yeah, I'm doing great, man. Having a pretty good day. Uh, just kind of hanging out, spending some, spending some time off with the family and uh, my girlfriend. And that's a good thing, Bernard. A whirlwind, a whirlwind, excuse me, a few weeks for you. You were waived by the Mavericks so they could sign Monte Ellis. Did you think at that point you wouldn't be back with the Mavericks? Um, no, nah, I mean, they, they were kind of talking to me the whole time. You know, they told me they wanted me back, and, uh, you know, this is really the only way they could see, uh, you know, getting getting uh, Monte and, and, uh, and, you know, a possibility of keeping me. So, um, you know, I kind of, I kind of, Signed on, and I, I was all about it. And you know, either way, um, it, it was a win-win situation for me. Um, you know, because with them signing me back and then my contract guaranteed, and uh, if somebody else picked me up in, in the waiver period, then you know my contract my contract would have been guaranteed that way too. So uh, either way, um, you know, it turned out turned out well for me. Did you want to stay in Dallas? Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. Um, you know, this is the place where I played my rookie season. Uh, you know, I feel like I know the system. You know. I know quite a few players that are still here. You know, we, we have a lot of new players as well that, I, that I'm going to have to get to know and learn to play with. Uh, but, you know, 
if I went anywhere else, the learning curve would be a lot uh, a lot bigger. Um, you know, here it's, it's pretty much just just really working on my game and, and improving and, uh, you know, just trying to do more in, in our system of, of what we do here. Now, at this point, have the Mavs given you any idea what role you might have with the team? Um, you know, it really, it really kind of told me, you know, since we we have so many new players and you know, pretty much all our new men are big, except uh, I mean, all our all our new bigs are um are, are you know fresh in, so uh, they're they're pretty much saying, you know, it just depends on what happens in training camp. So, um, you know, the opportunity is definitely there. Uh, if I play well enough, you know, I could I could definitely be starting if uh you know if I do that well. Um, you know, if not, I'll be in that backup center role, which is which is a good spot for a second-year player. So, um, you know, I definitely want to go after that starting position. But uh, you know, just to be on the team and be able to contribute is a is a blessing. Um, you know, it's about progress. So, as long as I can, as long as I can improve on what I did last year, then then I'm happy. Now, one of the things that people say you need to improve on is your ability to score around the basket. What are you doing to improve yeah. that area? And do you feel that's a need for you? Yeah, yeah, it definitely is, man. Um, I've, uh, I mean, it has a lot to do with comfort as well. Um, you know, I wasn't last year just the kind of sporadic minutes that I got. Uh, you know, I wasn't really comfortable a lot of times out on the floor just just because you know half the time I didn't know when I was going in the game or if I was going to play that night. And uh, I mean, that, that just that just messes with your mind a lot as a player. So. Uh, you know, and having to deal with that the first time in your career is, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of tough. Um, but uh, you know, I mean, just this this whole off season, I've been working working on post moves, um, you know, working on my mid range jumper. So, uh, you know, I think coming into this season, I'll, I'll feel a lot more comfortable, you know, taking taking jumpers when when defenders just back off me because they think I can't shoot. Um, you know, catching in the post and, and making good moves and, and finishing. You know, finishing dump off passes that I get from from our guards. Right. You know, we have a we have some really good passing guards now. Um, you know, so all the things that I needed to improve on, you know, that's what I've been focusing on, and um, I've been focusing on free throws as well. Uh, so it really has been more of an offensive summer than a defensive summer. So um, you know, hopefully, uh, all that'll translate onto the court this, this coming year. We're talking to Maverick Center Bernard James. And now, Bernard, you talked about some of the guards you guys brought in, Montellas, Jose Calderon. You guys also brought in Sam Dallenbear to go along with, with yeah. what you already have. Do you like the moves you guys yeah. made? Uh, yeah, 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 definitely. Um, you know, we got some young players and we got some uh, very experienced vets. Uh, now, either way, now, I think um, I, I trust and uh, have faith in the uh, in the Dallas back office, and um, you know they're making the right moves that'll that'll help us on the court to win. Um, you know, and from from what I can see, you know they made some really good moves with the players that we got, and you know, I think we'll be able to put it together, and uh, I think we'll definitely be in the playoffs this year. Man, um, I don't I don't think we'll have a repeat of last year. Do you think you guys are are now legitimate title contenders? Uh, I say it all, it all depends on how well we match, man, and how quickly. Um, you know, because last year, uh, last year I, I believe, you know, we were a playoff caliber team, man, but we didn't we didn't get it together until like the last ten or fifteen games, where we were playing and clicking and on the same page uh, that we needed to be. You know, after after the first fifteen games to, to actually make it into the playoffs. So um, if we can if we can mesh early on and uh, really get that team chemistry early on, man. I definitely think we have a shot at it. 
Now, your owner, Mark Cuban, came out the other week and said that he believes Dirk Nowitzki can win the MVP next season. Do you believe that's the case? Can that happen? Yeah, I, I believe Dirk can win MVP until he's 50, um, you know, as long as he, as long as he doesn't get injured. Uh, I mean, the dude, is, he can – I mean, he's a lifestyle shooter. I mean, he's probably the best shooter in the league. And, you know, seven-footer and just – Ice cold blood in his veins, man. Um, you know, when he shoots that fadeaway, there's absolutely nothing you can do to stop him. And, you know, he's, he's, he's slow and you know, unathletic, but it's just like you know it's coming, but there's nothing you can do about it. Right. Like, it's, he, he's gotten to that skill level. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how old he is or, you know, how, how slow he is, um, you know, with his skill set, he can, he can win MVP until he's 50 years old, in, in my opinion. Now, you, obviously, you watched Dirk Nowitzki on TV, but you saw him up close and personal. Were you surprised how, how good he really was? Obviously, he's a superstar, but was he better than yeah. what you thought? Yeah, man. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think uh, a lot of people, a lot of fans are definitely under that, um, I think, misconception of uh, you kind of look at the NBA and it looks like nobody's playing hard. And, and uh, you know, I think a lot of times, a lot of people feel like, oh, I can get out there and play with those guys. But, I mean, that's not the case at all, man. The NBA is it's a thinking man's game. Um, you know, so it looks like you're going slow, but really, you know, what, what, the play, what we're out there doing is we're reading the defense and, and exploiting exploiting mistakes that are made or uh, or advantages that we see. Um, you know, so, yeah, like on TV, you know, he may not look that spectacular, but you get out there and you're actually guarding him, man, and, and you see how he uses his body and, and how, you know, how, how the fadeaway, um, you know, he fades away and, and he puts the ball, like, behind his head when he's shooting. You know, there's, there's absolutely nothing you can right. do to, to stop that shot, and, and you know, without following him. So, it's, uh, you know, it's, just, it's a lot more a lot more um, amazing in person, I would say. We're talking to Maverick Center, Bernard James. And, Bernard, you spent six years in the Air Force. There you were a staff sergeant. You spent some time in Iraq. You spent some time in Afghanistan as well. Talk about your life in the military. How was it? Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's obviously, you know, some tough times, but, uh, I mean, it was definitely um, to my benefit overall. You know, I've experienced a lot of things uh, you know, overseas during deployments and, and got to see a lot of things that, you know, really make me appreciate our way of life over here and, uh, you know, any opportunity that, is, that has been presented to me. Um, you know, and that, that was, that's been a big part of, you know, why I've, I've been able to make it to the NBA is, uh, you know, that fact right there. Um, you know, just, just living that kind of rough life and, and, uh, you know, having an opportunity to go to college afterwards and giving the chance to play basketball. And, you know, that's exactly why you know, I made the, made, made, made the most out of the opportunity that I could and, and, you know, while I'm here in the NBA today and, uh, you know, while, uh, while I'll excel, while I will excel in the NBA. Do you miss it at times? Um, not so, not so much the job, man. Because I mean, you know, I'm not gonna lie, it's a tough life, and you know, I have a lot of respect for all the guys, all the men and women that are still in. Um, but the the camaraderie, yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, you know, you get a little bit of it with basketball, but um, right. you know, in the military, it's, it's like those people become your family. It's like 24/7. It's not like, you know, you just you have practice and then you go home, or or you play a game and then you go home. It's like, you know, you go to work with these guys. You go eat with them. Um, you know, you're, you're living in the same places. And, uh, you know, you're, you're working out with them, having fun, like playing video games with them. Um, 
know, so I mean, pretty much like everybody you should work with becomes like a family member, and you know, uh, you know, life coming out, there's, there's no escaping them. So you develop that bond, uh, even with your differences, you develop a bond of kind of like a brother sister uh, type thing. Of you know, even though y'all might not get along all the time, you have mutual respect, and and uh, you know, some of the times I'll do. Right. Now, now, Bernard, you recently had your basketball academy there in Dallas. How was it? Tell us about yeah. it. How'd it go? Uh, it went well. It went well, man. Um, you know, I had some good kids out there. Uh, worked on a lot of stuff, and you know, um, we introduced some concepts to them that, that they probably haven't gotten yet. Um, you know, stuff that I, I wasn't taught until you know, I got to college, and, and uh, you know, stuff I'm being taught now in the NBA. So. Uh, I feel like just giving giving kids a, a head start like that, and just just to get their mind working with certain concepts this early on is uh, will be instrumental in uh, their development and um, you know getting them ahead of the curve uh, as far as uh, you know their peers and their opponents. Definitely, definitely. And now Bernard, you are going into your second season. Obviously, your team goal is to win an NBA title. What is your personal goal going into next season? Uh, my personal goal, I would say, um, and, you know, this was a goal last year, but, I mean, it'll be a goal until I receive it. But I'd say to, uh, to average a double-double, um, you know, that's okay. that's my goal, so 10, 10 rebounds and, and uh, 10 points a game. Um, you know, that's what I'm shooting for, and that's where my mind is. Uh, you know, of course, of course, uh, I'm a defensive-minded player, so, you know, um, well, those 10 points won't be at the expense of, of you know, me playing, me playing uh, great defense, but, um, you know, that is that's a goal of mine. Now, Bernard, you are big time on Twitter. Where can fans find you on Twitter? Uh, I actually recently just changed my Twitter name. Um, so it's, it's actually Bernard R. James now. Uh, just, okay. you know, just my whole name. I figured it would be a little bit, little bit easier for fans to, to track me down. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm on there, um, you know, probably, probably a couple times a week, man. Uh, just replying, um, you know, sometimes cracking a joke or two, uh, or just just you know putting putting a thought out there that uh, that I had. So, uh, you know, if anybody wants to talk to me or, or ask me a question or whatever, they can hit me up on there, and you know, I'll be happy to answer it. What is your thought for today? Any any thoughts going on Bernard James's mind? <laughs> um, I've actually, uh, you know, my, my girlfriend just got in town not too not too long ago, so we've been we've been doing a lot of a lot of sightseeing and stuff that I. Wanted to see, so uh, went to the Dallas Aquarium today. Um, I had a really good time there, uh, and then um, I went up to uh, Urban Taco. You know, that was actually a really good restaurant on McKinney. Um, you know, so uh, I mean, I'm I'm just kind of, I'm kind of getting to getting to know the city of Dallas a little more. Um, you know, so uh, I don't know. I guess Dallas is on my mind. <laughs> Bernard, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck in the upcoming season. Let's do this again. Thank you, Steph. We will. Definitely thank you to Bernard James for joining us. I mean, you look at Bernard James, interesting few weeks for him. And moving forward, you know, you hope he can catch on in the National Basketball Association. He's going to be the backup center for the Dallas Mavericks. And who knows, maybe he'll have a bigger role with the Mavericks. I mean, he's a guy. When given a minute, he's put up some decent numbers. So we shall see. We want to switch gears now to the NFL. We're going to further discuss this whole Riley Cooper thing. We're going to bring in a former NFL player. Let's bring him in, former Steeler, former Atlanta Falcons running back, Veron Hayes. Veron, how are you, man? 
I'm well, Paul. How goes everything? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Man, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. Pleasure to be on you. And, and Veron, it's been all over the news. Eagles wide receiver Riley Cooper, we've seen, we've heard him using the N-word at a Kenny Chesney concert. Your initial reaction to hearing Riley Cooper's comments? I was disappointed. Just being a teammate and being in the locker room, I was disappointed at his choice of words. But, you know, it is what it is. I, I don't think he should have been penalized for it. Do we all make mistakes? Sure we do. But I was disappointed in his choice of words. So you don't feel even a fine was appropriate? No. I mean, because and, and, and we, we, live, we, live, we live in a country where, hey, guys, let's, let's be honest, freedom of speech, right? And, just, and, 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 and you're not, you're not, you're not, uh, it's not a law to be, to, 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 to be racist. It's, it's, it's not. It's not. You, right. you, 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 can be, you, you can have your views if you want to. Where I am disappointed is, is because of the cohesiveness that football is structured to have an impact to be. And 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 and, right. and 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 that and that that locker room is supposed to be tight, and you're supposed to blood, sweat, and tears with your with your brother, with with your brother, and and then right. you choose to go outside and 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 then have a have 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 some drinks and and, and then use those slanders because that's not showing me team oriented. That, that's not showing me a cohesive bond in that locker room. Well, well, can I ask you this then, Veron Bing? That you, the National Football League, it's a corporation, so technically Riley Cooper is in corporate America. He's a part of a corporation. And granted, right. he didn't use the N-word at a corporate function, but being an NFL player, he is held to a certain standard. And, and they're basically, you know, in the NFL, they're trying to sell their product and sell their business to the fans. So, therefore, yeah. that's, why, that's why I believe that the fine is appropriate. Suspension, no. A fine, appropriate right. suspension, I think that's a little too much. And and to take it one step further, for him to be able to uh, uh, be, be let go from team practices uh, to go to mediation and stuff like that, I don't think that's sending the right message. You know, right, right now, it's a team. It's a team. Build, build, build around it. Build, build that continuity. Right. You know, and... No, and, 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 and 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 you guys uh, uh, use this as 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 if, if anything, as 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 as, as a co- cohesive bond to to for, for for you guys to glue behind. Right. But do you see this as the end of Riley Cooper in Philadelphia? Do you see this as the beginning of the end? I think that's what they're trying to make it out to be. Should it be like that? No, I absolutely don't think this should be the end for him. But I, I do see the writings on the wall clearly, clearly, with right. them taking the steps that they have made to send him, uh, to, to release him from practice, let him go or, or, uh, um, to, a, to, to mediation or counseling. I think they're, now they're checking to see what else do they have in, their, in the stall. You know, what, right. what else forces right. do we have? Can we play without him? And I, I look at this situation as, you know, I know they're sending him off to sensitivity training, but how much is he really going to learn at sensitivity training? But I, I look at it at like this. I, I believe that the Eagles are basically sending him off right now because, unfortunately, the, the block is right now too hot. It's too hot for Riley Cooper to be with the Philadelphia Eagles. And to your point, I, I think it could be. The beginning. 
Go ahead. Well, let's be fair. They, they, with, with, with the Paula Dean, with the, with the, with the Trayvon Martin. Everyone is, right. is, 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 is it's a lot of tension out here right now, you know. True, and true. I think his timing is 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 is, is what made it a, a, a such a high impact, you know. So the Philadelphia Eagles is moving swiftly and rapidly to kind of smooth everything over because timing the the the, the whole nation is is kind of like on on edge right now. Right. Very true. Very true. That's a very good point. And. Veron, you've been in NFL locker rooms, and you look at the NFL in general, 70% African-American. You've been in a lot of NFL locker rooms. Do you think Riley Cooper will ever be accepted in an NFL locker room again? I tell you this, I know the opposing team that he's playing, that safety or that linebacker, he goes across the middle, they'll remind him about it a couple of times after he gets stumped. After he gets hit real good, you know, oh, remember, remember what you say, or you know, oh, we remember, we remember, you know, and you know, as a teammate, yes, if if he gets there, they will accept him wherever team because that's just the brotherhood and uh, right. the the what what's instilled in 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 in, in a team oriented game. But opposing teams, they're not going to forget that. <laughs> Could his career be over? I mean, I don't think it is, but you you have people out here who believe that there's a possibility that Riley career Riley Cooper, excuse me, career could be over. Do you believe that? I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I think he'll get another chance to prove himself. Uh, would it be with the Philadelphia Eagles? I don't know. I really don't know because you got to understand, Chip Kelly come in there. It's a new regime now. If uh, Andy was still there and he's an older, more veteran coach, then things would have been a lot different. Now, Chip has to regain confidence and, and also structure in that, in, 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 in that building. So he's coming in there, and ultimately he wants his own guys in there. You know, so right. <laughs> let's, let's be fair. Like, Chip wants to win under his own stable of guys, not, you know, Andy's guys that he drafted. Fair point. So it, I mean, could definitely... be, it, 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 it could be lights out for him in Philly. I wouldn't be surprised, but I, to your point, I, I think it would be I think it would be sad if his It'd career were, were to end because yeah. of this. Yeah, I, I, I really don't want to do. see. I, no, no. I don't, I, I don't I, we, because, in this, hey, we, we live in a cynical world, but we also live in a forgiving world. Let's be honest. Right. Let's, 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 I mean, look in the mirror. It's, have you done anything in the last month that you are regretful for? Yeah, sure, we all have. You know, right. like, like let's, let's not that he, he messed up, he apologized, move on. Okay. Definitely, definitely. And I agree with you. I think it would be sad. We're talking to former NFL running back, Veron Hayes. And, and Veron, let, let's take the discussion a little deeper now. I'm African-American, you're African-American, and let's be honest, I mean, the N-word is used a lot. It's used in NFL locker rooms. I mean, it's used in music. We hear the music that's blared in NFL locker rooms. I mean, do you think there's a possibility, and I don't think it is, but I'm going to ask you, do you think there's a possibility that Riley Cooper may have felt comfortable using the N-word because of that? Yeah, maybe, maybe, because it, it is thrown around a lot, right? It is, it is thrown around a lot. His actions, you know, I think dictated that he has been using it because it came off yeah. very fluent, 
you know, fluent mm-hmm. in, 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 in his speech. So he, mm-hmm. it wasn't something that he had to hesitate using. Uh, like, he didn't stumble upon the word. So let's be, keep it 100. Yes, I think he has been using it before, and it has been in his speech. So whether he's been using it in the locker room or around guys, I don't know. But it seems to me that it is a pattern. There. Right. And then you, you even look at it, I mean, I know there's a distinction out there between the A and ER. That's that's a joke to me. I think that's totally ridiculous. But he used the ER. He didn't use A. It was ER. Mm-hmm. So it, it doesn't look good. I don't think he's – I'm not going to say he's a racist because I don't know him well enough to say that, and I don't think that's fair. Right. But, right. but that video did look – it's damning. It's definitely damning. I but just, I just, we'll, we'll see. I just I – just, I just, I know in a in we we're we're not we're not we're not help we're not it's not a law to be and to, 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 to be racist it's not it's right. not so for us to sit there and condemn him for saying that word uh, he got fined let's get over it he apologized let's get over it should he be out right. week no I don't think so no I agree I agree we're talking to former NFL running back Veron Hayes and let's stick with the Eagles right now quarterback competition in Philly. Mike Vick, Nick Foles, and the rookie, Matt Barkley. I think Michael Vick gets the job. In your opinion, how does this whole thing play out? I think Michael Vick gets the job, but mm, does he is, – is is the first sign of, of struggle. I think he's on the bench. I think he gets the right. job because he's a veteran, and that's who you go to, and, and, and that's your scapegoat. But at the end of the day, if Michael Vick was younger – uh, Chip Kelly was going to be Michael Vick was going to be around for more five, like five more years, and he had five more years left in the tank over there at, 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 at New England. He he probably would get the job, and it wouldn't be as 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 as, as cutthroat as it's going to be this season. I think right. in my in, in my perception, because as soon as he messes up, I think Chip Kelly's waiting to put somebody else in. That whole because again, guys, let's 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 be fair. That's not his guy. He didn't right. bring him in. He wants to right. win on his turn. And his not that's that's Andy. That's from Andy's regime. Not not right. him. Let's go to New York now. Quarterback battle, Mark Sanchez, Geno Smith. I mean Mark Sanchez has been awful over the past couple of years. Geno Smith, the rookie, don't know if he's ready. But how do you see that thing playing out? Who wins the job? I think Geno gets the job. You know, uh, they should have they should have they should have benched Mark last year. I believe, in my in my opinion, I agree with you. He should have been benched last year. Uh, they were under a lot of scrutiny for Tim Tebow and all that stuff. It, it's a big mess going on over there. Give Gino the job. That's the future, obviously. You know, uh, even if yeah. Sanchez does start, you know, you you brought in a quarterback to be your future. Let him play. Let him take his lumps. It's not going to be any. It's not going to be any 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 worse. Right. It can't exactly. be any worse. <laughs> and that was my thought last season in terms of Tim Tebow. I know. I mean, hey, Tim Tebow may not be the best thrower, but guess what? He did take a team to the playoffs. Guess what? He did win a playoff game. I, I agree with you. I thought they should have gave him a shot. I'm not saying it would have been better, but it, it was worth a shot. Sanchez was just awful last season. Right. Let's look at the Pro Bowl now, Veron. I mean, obviously it's an exhibition game, so I don't know how well or how much better you can make an exhibition game, but 
They're trying to in the National Football League now. They're doing some things. They're going to have a draft. Uh, they're going to also blend the AFC and the NFC. They're also going to take out kickoffs. Will it make a difference? Will Will it make all the Pro Bowl more watchable? All, 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 all I'm waiting for is for them to stop tackling. I mean, goodness <laughs> gracious, rules and rules and rules. I, I really want to know, have most of these guys, have they ever even played football? These rules that they're implementing, uh, are they? have these come down from a, a, a core group of guys who have played the sport? Sure, I right. understand safeties first. I, I have no tolerance for a ball go, sailing over a wide receiver's head that's uncatchable, a safety going and air-holing him. That has no no premise in this league. Okay, I get that. But, come on, at the end of the day, it's football. A guy, you know, like Emmett Smith made a living lowering his shoulder, running over guys. I right. mean, now we're taking that out the game? Are, are you, I, I, I mean, I understand some of the rules, but some of them are really, they're, they, they're really just moving into the two-hand touch kind of league, you know, and, and, and it's sad. It's sad. It's sad. It's becoming an offensive or uh, 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 offensive game. You know, they right. won't point, and 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 that's it. And and, I, and and that's sad to say because I'm an offensive guy. I love offense. You know, <laughs> I, I made my, my my money on offense for years. So, so 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 for me to say that it's hard. But I look at the game and I see what they're trying to do. They're trying to take defense out of it. Defense get fined for everything. Right. It's almost like they're turning turning the NFL into arena football. And Absolutely. last I checked, arena football, in my opinion, is just kind of unwatchable. I mean, it's just too much offense. I mean, it's just uh, – I want to see some defense just like the next man. And, and you talked about Correct. Emmett Smith in terms of uh, lowering the shoulder, lowering the head. How much of an adjustment would that have been for you if you were still playing? A lot. It, 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 is, it, it is huge because from, 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 from so young you've been taught to do the same thing, it's almost uh, it's second nature, you know, to, right. to, to 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 just lower your head and boom, run over the guy and keep your legs going, keep your legs going. Uh, I think with that, it's going to be a lot of injuries that's going to occur. Even though you're trying to 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 to, to do away with a lot of injuries, I think it's going to impact the the, the impact is going to be catastrophic on the other end. It should, it should be very interesting to see how this thing plays out. Veron, I know you were doing some work with ESPN. What is new with Veron Hayes? Hayes, well, excuse me. Yeah, new with Veron Hayes. I work. I commentate for ESPN International, so we go to every English-speaking country outside the U.S. I also do work. Uh, I got hired as Nutribee spokesperson. We're going into all the high schools and junior high schools here in America and just talking about the importance of nutrition. I, I also um, uh, I have my water sports company in Trinidad and Tobago, um, and you know me I I I I I'm about to be a part of the Orange Theory. I don't know if you have uh, ever heard of that, but Orange Theory um, Gym, and it's a different kind of uh, workout, just like a CrossFit mm-hmm. workout or a blast workout. But we're we're gonna blow Atlanta up. You know we're opening <laughs> the first one. We're we're opening the first one uh, at the end of this month here, and it's gonna be, and with 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 seven more to go in, so it's gonna be very very high intense and impactful in this Atlanta community. So so life after football has been very good to you. 
I like you know you 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 take your lumps, right? You you learn what not to do. So <laughs> right. So now now that yeah, I'm 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 learning it through. Learning it through. I've I've been very blessed. I I I I honestly have been very blessed with the opportunities that that has come my way. And that's good because you know a lot of my guys that I bounce stuff off still to say Jerome that is one of my key people that you know with situations when I was on the Falcons and 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 they asked me to come back the next year when Ovi Mahaley got hurt and but I had already started working for ESPN. I asked him, "What do I do?" Well, you know, he kind of shone light on the situation. Okay, you go back for this. Let's say you you even go back for this season or a few games this season. Now you gave up an opportunity with a career job. Now you got to start back from scratch because ESPN is not going to wait for you, right? They'll find somebody else. Right. So right. I've been very blessed and fortunate to have guys like that, you know. And I think that's paramount in any locker room to have guys, character yeah. guys like that. Now, Veron, you are on Twitter. Where can fans connect with you on Twitter? Veron Haynes, Veron Haynes, at Veron Haynes on Twitter, and I'm on Instagram, Veron Haynes as well. You know, and a lot of my Veron, stuff, I, you know, go ahead. A lot of my stuff that I try to do every day is motivate. You know, because I, right. I like looking at people that 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 that, that send out their motivational tweets and everything. So that's what my. I, you know, every now and then I will I will keep it 100. I I, I was upset with the Trayvon Martin. I was upset. I asked everybody about. <laughs> I told everybody the other day. I got Ron Haynes Bar. You know Haynes Bar that I uh, that I tweet every now and then. But I I told him that uh, uh, that um, he was banned. Cooper was banned from my bar. Just <laughs> being funny, but you know, just to get get. get 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 a laugh out of people, you know. Keep everybody yeah. entertained. That's what it's all about. Veron, you are entertaining. You entertained us today. Pleasure talking with you, man. Let's do this again. Pleasure. Absolutely, at, at any time. You you uh, it, 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 you 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 run a great listening, and I will be listening in the future. Thanks for having me on. It was a pleasure. Appreciate it. Take care. All right, peace. Veron Hayes, running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You can former running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers and Atlanta Falcons. You can listen to this show and other great shows at blogtalkradio.com slash pgan where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at go for again, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. I want to thank Melissa B for stopping by. I also want to thank Bernard James and also Veron Haynes. Appreciate it. And again, follow us on Twitter at go for again. For everybody here, go for it. We hope you have a nice weekend, a nice day. See you later. Take care. Bye.